fixing abandoned houses in disinvested neighborhoods actually has an impact on gun violence in that area. That's what physicians, statisticians, and criminologists found when they conducted the study in low-income neighborhoods in Philadelphia from 2018 to 2019. And it's not just having these dilapidated homes around that determines the severity of gun violence in the neighborhood, but so much more. Now, the study may have been focused in Philly, but it's something that's still relevant here in Chicago. With us now to discuss further is Kanoya Ali, the housing coordinator with Chicago Cred, a gun violence prevention program here in the city. Thank you for being here, Kanoya. Thank you for having me. So, like I mentioned, it's not just the abandoned homes themselves that make gun violence prevalent in a neighborhood, right? It's something bigger than that. What are your thoughts? Much bigger. Um, you know, the the areas... You know, with those abandoned places, they become uh, habitats for crime, violence, um, you know, rape, prostitution. And, you know, in the neighborhoods, we call them trap houses. So mm-hmm. at the trap, you know what happens. It's a very uh, sticky place and hard to get out of. So when you have a neighborhood surrounded by a bunch of traps, most people find it hard to get out of those situations. So were you surprised at all to see this connection <laughs> being made between disinvested homes and gun violence? Uh, absolutely not. I Why mean, not? I think that was a question you could have went to any neighborhood, uh, disinvested neighborhood, and asked them what's some of the problems. And I guarantee abandoned homes or abandoned properties would have been on the top the top of the list as uh, one of the most uh, problematic situations in those areas just because it becomes a, a haven for places that uh, – you can you can do illicit things in, rather it's hide guns, rather it's shoot, rather it's kill, rather it's rape, murder, whatever the whatever the situation is. When you have those eyesores, not just eyesores, they become um, places where people start to do illicit things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's dig more into that. The, the study, which was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, it gives us more insight into to just how much of an impact one's environment can actually have on their quality of life. So explain more for those who may not get it, why having rundown homes around, why that makes gun violence more likely to occur. So a moment ago you talked about being able to do things like hide firearms. Right. So your environment, as we all know, sometimes the outside affects your inside, right? If it's a sunny day, you feel better. If it's a gloomy day, you might feel a little down, depressed. So the same thing with these neighborhoods. When you come outside and it's abandoned, it's, deca- it's, it's, it's not invested in, it's not cared about. Society has turned a blind eye to it. What is some of the young people to believe that, they, that, that, that they, people do care? That's not what happens. So often that transpires into other things, rather it be, you know, it, it shows in many different ways, but it has a direct connection to the outside affection affects the inside. Mm-hmm. What, happens affect, what happens on the outside affects the inside. Yeah, it sounds almost like these homes are almost enabling that kind of activity. Would you say? Yeah. Uh, those, once again, I don't want to put so much blame on, like, the people. But also, and I do say there's some blame there, but also the situation that presents itself. Once again, some of the young people that commit these crimes and stuff like that, you know, they actually, um, they they are projecting what they are around. So if you have a place that is not cared for, the, the 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 people there believe they're not cared for as well. So 
then crime happens. Then other things take place from that position. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people become who they are based on what they're up against and, and what they've came through to get to that point. We hear that so often, right? It's based Correct. on, again, back to the word that we've been using, your environment, right? Correct. So I'm curious if fixing an abandoned home where activity, like you mentioned, hiding guns, hiding drugs, um, would that just force people to move to a different home? <laughs> you know, the thing is that uh, I, I say, you know, thinking about this, knowing I was coming here today, I was I was asking myself the question, what could possibly help the situation? And I'm saying, you know, if we reinvest in the actual neighborhoods, like we talked about the study earlier of $200 billion being spent in the private sector and amongst businesses and white home white home households mm-hmm. versus $9 billion in Chicago being spent in, in black neighborhoods. This is a significant difference that we all know this takes place. Um, things can be done where the people that are on the ground can actually be not, not just uh, – highlighted but also put in situations where they could come from a rent to own type of thing and the investment could be put into those people versus just uh the powers that be that already have a lucrative you know a lifestyle or a lucrative business mm-hmm. versus investing in the people that are there and letting them build rebuild their community from the ground up I'm glad you went there because another thought I have is is when gun violence comes to mind typically I don't think that we immediately think of housing. Why do you think that is? I think uh, I think many people don't know. I think that when you are when you don't have a connection to those that are directly affected, you don't you 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 can only imagine what takes place. But I'll give you a scenario: if a child grows up in a horrible situation, whether it's drug abuse mental abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and then they come outside and there's decapitated homes, you know, out of 20 houses on the block, only six are lived in, right? Mm-hmm. What what do we expect that day to be like? How do they play amongst, you know, how do they grow as a child? What do we expect the outcome of them to be? Probably not a good one. Not a good one. Yeah. Often. Sometimes, to your earlier point, I think sometimes people are just focused on their own block, right, as opposed to the entire neighborhood. This is not, once again, this is not my problem. That's your problem. It's not my neighborhood. It's not my problem. So why is it important then for us to include these kinds of contributing factors like housing and lack of access to fresh food, something else that we talk about a lot here on Reset, when we have these larger conversations about gun violence? Once again, if we sat down and, and right, really itemize issues from gun violence to violence in Chicago to murders, you know, so many deaths. We're talking about thousands of young men have died in Chicago, uh, and, and men and women have died in Chicago uh, over the years. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is not turned, this is not really turned ahead. It's almost a commonplace. If you hear a young person, 15, 16, 17, 13 being killed, it's not something that you like, oh, you know, let's check into how we can rectify that situation. I believe to answer your question, I believe as as a whole in Chicago, we need to really look at these situations like it's personal rather than it's your issue and not mine. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. A recent study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association finds that fixing up rundown homes in areas where gun violence is high 
can actually decrease that violence significantly. And here in the studio with us to talk about it is Kanoya Ali. He's the housing coordinator with Chicago Cred, a nonprofit that is fighting gun violence here in Chicago. So speaking of Chicago Cred, Kanoya, tell us more about the work that you guys do. So Chicago Cred is an organization founded by Arnie Duncan, the former Secretary of Education under Barack Obama. He had this idea, this crazy idea, that have you directly went to the streets and hired people from those elements to actually do, bring out people from those from the elements to train them, get them therapy, life skills, life coaching, some mentorship, and then some job training that you could possibly affect um, those people. It was a crazy idea. No one, I, I, I can't believe no one ever thought of this before. But he had this idea. He got some funding from private, private, uh, in, private people and then somehow made some changes. And right now, Chicago Cred, is, uh, we have hit 500 participants that we've been working with, that we consistently work with right now. And, uh, and we've been working with these guys. It's been an ongoing process from, from I believe, uh, we started in 2017. Until right now, we're yeah. still going. And as housing coordinator, what do you do? Right now, as a housing coordinator, my job is to, uh, when someone has an issue with safety, right, someone's trying to hurt or harm them or homelessness, I'm the person that they contact on a, on a regular basis to figure out how we can house this person and where we can house them. We often get called, I often get called maybe three to four times a week to house someone that's actually homeless. So uh, when we talk about housing and how does how does that connect? Uh, some people may have a place to stay, but it may not be a safe place to stay. And if you're living there, you may have uh, certain criteria that you need to meet. If you're staying, say, with a, a gang or whatever, and they saying, "Well, if you're gonna stay here in this trap house, this abandoned house, or whatever, you have to do X, Y, Z to maintain your place, you know, to stay." Yeah. So things so you, happen. You're seeing direct. Impact then direct on, impact on these individuals that you work with. We talked a little bit about some solutions before, right? It's, it begs the question after we look at the numbers in this study. You know, now that we have the evidence, what happens next? Once again, I believe the powers that be, maybe the governor, the mayor, need to come to those in the neighborhood that can translate what's actually going on. And really address address the problem from a grassroots effort versus, you know, constantly doing the same thing over and over and then expecting a different outcome. Mm-hmm. We invest more money in Lollapalooza and the taste of Chicago than we actually invest in stopping gun violence in, in the third biggest city in America. You know, Chicago has reportedly uh, spent $2 million on, on gun violence. And um, New York and L.A. been spending twenty five million over, yeah. over, over for years, and we still haven't addressed that issue. I think right now we're making some change. So tell me this: if restoring neighborhoods can be a positive change for mm-hmm. for a community, how do you avoid gentrification and you make sure that it's done for the community? And this is what I was saying earlier, Sasha. If you go right to the people in the area, we know the beauty shops, the barber salons, uh, the barber shops, who who. These buildings and properties are not owned by those people that have those properties, but they've been paying rent forever. We have many people in those areas that have been paying rent forever. We ha- we are a community of renters. What about investing in the community and allowing the people to become go from rent to ownership just by give just by allowing them to do what they have been doing for years? 
but giving them a stake in the community versus just being a place, just having a place there and they could be moved out anytime someone sells their property. That's Kanoya Ali, the housing coordinator with Chicago Cred, a gun violence prevention program here in the city. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Sasha. I do appreciate you.